Hey, welcome back to the Mount Hope Belmont podcast. It's good to talk to you again. If we don't know each other, my name is Brian. I'm the pastor of Mount Hope in Belmont, Massachusetts, and it's good to talk to you again. Listen, if you've been in church world for a while, you know that there is a tension that we all face. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, there are two worlds in which you live. There is the church world that's nice and safe and comfortable, and there is the real world uh, where you find a lot of people that probably think differently than you do. The challenge that we have is how do we balance the two? In John chapter 17, Jesus, in his final prayer before the cross, gives us a roadmap as to how we are to deal with that tension. So we'll talk about that a little bit today, and I hope you'll listen closely, because I believe that God has something he'd like to say to you. Well, if you've been if you've been in church world uh, at all for a while, or even if you just if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, or if you don't, uh, if you are someone who's hung out around churches, then there's a dynamic that you're aware of. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you've been in church, in fact, I would suggest that you're probably aware of this dynamic, even if you're someone that has just watched church from a distance. Even if you're someone that doesn't normally find yourself in a church building on Sunday mornings, but you are somebody uh, who normally sits on the outside of a church building, there's a dynamic that exists between those who follow Jesus Christ and those who don't that you're probably aware of. And the dynamic is this. Those, who call, those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, we want to have an impact on the world that is around us. We want to somehow have a positive impact, show God's love, show God's grace, show God's mercy, help other people find salvation in Jesus Christ. That's what we desire to do, is to have some sort of influence and some sort of impact on uh, the society at large. The challenge that we face, and here's the tension, is that those of us who are in church world, uh, those of us who follow Jesus, we have been taught or, or we feel like or we know that that there is safety in church world, and then there's the big, bad, real world that's out there uh, that we're told that we should stay away from, right? There's these dynamics that take place. This is safe. That's dangerous. And so we have to balance, right? We have to balance our, our life within the church and outside the church. That's a tension for anyone who would follow Jesus. How do I balance life following Jesus and trying to live my life the way he wants me to live it and trying to show God's love to others and then be around people who don't agree with me and be around people who see life very differently and be around people who have values that don't align with mine. How do I balance that in my life? Now, some people, um, some people have gone the way to one extreme of just going out and, and abandoning faith to uh, do something else and look like the way many other people look and take on the values many other people take. That's one way you could go to solve that tension. But one way that we also try to solve that tension is we try to insulate ourselves and isolate ourselves so that the tension goes away. There's this tension between church world and the real world. There's a couple ways to solve that tension if you don't want to feel that tension at all. One is to abandon church world and just go and live in the regular world. The other way is to abandon the regular world and just live in little church world. I remember when uh, I was growing up in youth group, we would have these things in the church, and they were these giant posters. 
And the posters would have all the evil, bad, secular bands on one side. And then they would say something like, if you like, and then there would be these bands, then you'll really love, and then they like, have the Christian alternatives. And so it would say, like, if you like Nirvana, that's my age, there's their, that's my group right there. If you like Nirvana, they, you know, then you'll really like, and you'd go down the list, you know, Amy Grant. And you would say, I'm not sure that's 100% real, but you would have some sort of alternative, some sort of alternative that you could listen to. And that's one way to get rid of the tension, right? Stop doing all this, start doing all this, gets rid of the tension. I came across a commercial this week, a commercial of someone else who figured out a way to resolve tension and get rid of the real world, and this is what the commercial suggests. So you can get rid of tension if you want to. You can get rid of tension if you want to and just insulate yourself. But the question we have is, is this morning, the question before us is how do we deal with this tension? Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, then this is a real tension for you. And even if you don't call yourself a follower of Jesus, uh, you know that this is people that are a part of the church, people that follow Jesus. This is something that, that, that you have to deal with is how do you solve this tension? we feel the tension. There's a man named Oz Guinness, an author and thinker and, and theologian that I like to read. And he writes in his book, Impossible People, he says this. He says, for a generation now, the air has been thick with talk of changing the world. But who is changing whom? Unquestionably, the world would like to change the church, but does the church still want to change the world? And this is the tension, right? Who's changing whom? Are followers of Jesus Christ able to influence the world, or is it just the world influencing followers of Jesus? That's the tension we're dealing with. And if you were with us last week, we started to look at John chapter 17. John chapter 17. And this is the last prayer that Jesus prays that's recorded before he goes to the cross. And so one of the things we said last week is, don't you think that if this is the last prayer Jesus has between him and his father before the cross, don't you think he would pray for what is most important to him, what is heaviest on his heart. And last week we saw that he prayed that for all his followers, both his disciples who he was with and all of those who would believe through their work, that's you and me if you follow Jesus, by the way, that we would be one just as he, is the father, he and the Father are one. And we said what that means is that, that Jesus is praying that you and I, who are, if we're both followers of Jesus, would be one in identity 
that our identity in Christ would bind us together and bond us together above anything else that might separate us, and that we would be one in action. So the things that we do, the things that we say, we would, as the church, as followers of Jesus, be one in identity in Christ and in action that's consistent with that identity. The question is, how do you go out and claim your identity in Christ and live consistent lives when we have family and friends and neighbors, coworkers, who find their identity other places and live lives that look differently? How do you solve that tension? And Jesus in this prayer speaks to this. Jesus talks about how to solve that tension and what he wants us to do in the middle of that tension, how he wants us to live that tension and deal with that tension. You know, sometimes tension is good. Sometimes tension is okay. We tend to, in our lives, want to resolve tension and just get rid of it. But if you resolve tension, but the question we have is, so is Jesus telling us to get rid of this tension and just either go live like everybody else or isolate ourselves completely so that the tension is gone? Or is he calling us to something different? Here's what he says in his prayer. We're looking at verses 13 through 19, and they'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible open. So this is John 17, verses 13 through 19. This is what Jesus prays for you and for me. While I was with them, I kept them in your... I'm sorry, verse 13. But now I am coming to you. This is Jesus talking to his Father. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. In Jesus' prayer, the exact same tension that we're talking about this morning is present. So in verse 14, he draws the tension between the word of God and the world. So what Jesus says is he says to his father, listen, I gave them your word. And the Greek word there is logos. I gave them your logos. And that word could refer to a, a number of different things. It could refer to knowledge and wisdom about God. It could refer to the physical word of God. It could refer in John chapter 1, Jesus is called the word of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. If you're familiar with that verse, it's the same Greek word. So this word logos, it's referring though to the things that are eternal, the things that are of God. And Jesus con contrasts word in this his prayer with the world. I gave them your word, logos, and the world, cosmos is the Greek word there, hated them. So cosmos is referring to the opposite of whatever the word is. So the world is the things that are temporary, if I was going to sum it up, the things that are created, the things that are made, the things that don't last forever, but the things that only last for a while. So you have this tension building. It's the same tension we feel between the things of God and the things of this world, between the logos and the cosmos, between the word and the world. It's interesting, though, that when Jesus talks about the world, he says that the world has 
hated us because we're not of the world if, his, if we're his followers. We're not of the world. But what he doesn't allow for here is just escaping the world. Because in verse 18, he says this. He says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So what Jesus is saying to us is if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you claim him, if you put your trust in him, if you're trying to do what he's asking you to do in your life and you're trusting him for your salvation, then what Jesus is saying, and maybe if you've been in church before, you've heard this world, this phrase, you are in this world, but you're not of this world. That's what Jesus says here. Verse 14, he tells you, you're not of this world. But in verse 18, he says, I have sent you into this world. So the question is, what does that look like? What does it look like to be in this world, but not of it? If you flip over to the back of that communication card, you notice there's a grid there. And if you're kind of the person, if you're the kind of person that likes to take notes, uh, we're going to work through this a little bit together this morning. We're going to look through what does Jesus mean when he says that we're supposed to be in but not of. And there's two words I'm going to use. If we were to chart this on a grid, what is Jesus talking about and what could this look like in our life? There's two words I would use. The first word I would use in talking about what Jesus is saying when he says that we are in the world is the word engagement. That Jesus is tell, talking about how engaged we are to be in this world that we live in. So he says, you are, I have sent you into the world. And he's talking about engagement in the world. The other word that I'm going to use as we talk is he says, but you're not to be of the world. And the word I would use that I think is related to what he's saying there is assimilation. What is Jesus saying here? He's talking about how engaged we are to be in the world and how assimilated we are to be in the world. And if you think about it on a graph or on a chart, like the way that we're thinking about it this morning, I think there's three areas of this chart that Jesus is telling us not to be. And so we'll fill out those first. There's three things that Jesus is saying, don't do this to try to resolve the tension. And the first thing is the box that probably affects the least of us, but definitely affects some of us. And that is we would be people that have low engagement in the world, but high assimilation in the world. And I would call the people that fall into this box people that are enamored with the things of the world, the things not of God. You may say to yourself, how in the world could you possibly be not in the world, but be of the world? How could you be not engaged in the world, but be assimilated into the world? And I think the people that fall into this category are many of our young people. Many of our young people, and maybe this is you this morning as you sit here today, who are just waiting for the day that you can break free of your parents' rules and restrictions so that you can go live the life that you've always wanted to live and watched others live. So you're enamored with the world, and technology makes this very possible. Enamored with the things of this world, and some of us live this way as Christians, trying to stay good people, trying to do the good church thing, but all the while our hearts are enamored with the things that this world has to offer. And we're just waiting for the day that we can break free of the shackles of the bubble that we are in so we can finally go do what we really want to do. This is, if you're familiar with the Bible and Jesus' teaching, this is the prodigal son who is living under his father's roof and just wants his inheritance so he can get out of that house and go live the life that he wants to live. That's who this is. And some of us in this room are in this place. And the question you have to ask yourself is, this is you. If you're thinking to yourself, man, when I graduate high school, I am out of here. Or once I'm out of college, I'm doing what I want. 
Or thank goodness I'm finally away from my parents so I can live the life that I want to live. The question to ask yourself is, is the grass really greener on the other side? We don't have a lot of time to go into it, but if you're familiar with the story of the prodigal son, he comes home with his tail between his legs. And we have a whole room filled with people that can tell you they went out and tried to see if the grass was greener. It didn't really work out that well. And so Jesus is saying, don't live a life that is enamored with this world. Don't live that sort of life. Don't solve the tension this way. The other thing that he doesn't call us to is he doesn't call us to be people who are highly assimilated into this world and highly engaged into this world. And if that's where you find yourself, I would say that, that you are someone who is absorbed into this world. This is a huge danger, I think, for followers of Jesus Christ today. This is the place where many of us can find ourselves if we're not careful. We can go out into the world with the best of intentions, trying to gain influence over other people, trying to impact people for Jesus. And if you're in, if you're familiar with church, uh, we use the word relevance a lot. We want to be relevant. We want to find a way to be relevant to the world because the church is losing its influence in our society. If you, if you didn't know, the church is losing its influence in our society. And so we want to find a way to be relevant again in society. The problem is, is if you assimilate to the point uh, that you're just like everybody else, you actually lose your influence. You don't gain it. And many of our, many Christians, many followers of Jesus, many churches are finding themselves in this place where we want to be so inviting, so relevant to everybody that we actually start to lose the core values that make us different. And when you start to lose core values in the name of relevance, you actually become more irrelevant because everyone's the same. You're not offering anything different. So what do you possibly have to say? What do you bring to the table? Jesus to his disciples put it this way. He says in Matthew chapter 5, you are the salt of the earth. But if, the salt, if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Your job, Jesus is saying, is to go out and flavor this world with the love and the grace and the mercy of God. But if you go out and absorb yourself into this world, you lose your saltiness. You lose your impact. You lose your influence. If this is where you are trying to decide whether or not to abandon core principles of following Jesus to fit in with this world that can make some very, uh, some arguments that seem very attractive, this is the question I would ask you to ask yourself. What's my legacy? What's your legacy? One day you're going to stand before God and God's going to give an account of how you lived your life. Now, our salvation's in Jesus Christ, but the Bible's clear on this. We're going to have to give an account of how we lived our life. If we give up the core principles of following Jesus just so we get along with everybody around us, what sort of legacy are we leaving for God? Well, the other thing that God doesn't call us to, and this may make some of you upset who were ready to book a ride on Uber Christian uh, after you left this morning, the other thing that God doesn't call us to is he doesn't call us to low assimilation and low engagement. And that is just isolation. This can be so appealing. This can be so appealing uh, to those of us who follow Jesus. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 
right when he's talking to his disciples about being the salt of the earth, he also says this to them. He says, you are the light of the world. Now, you wouldn't take a lamp and light it and cover it up, Jesus says, with a basket. You would put it on a stand so it can light the whole room. I mean, you picture an ancient room, no electricity, an ancient room, and Jesus is saying, if it's pitch black in there, you would light a candle and you would put it up on a stand so the whole room gets light. You wouldn't light a candle and cover with a basket. It would be worthless. be useless. And Jesus' greatest frustration with people, with religious people that he was around while he was on this earth, was that they were so isolated from the rest of the world that they had no influence over the world. They were so concentrated on being good, godly people. They had so isolated themselves from everybody else that they had lost their voice with everybody else. It was just like lighting a lamp, lighting a candle, and covering it up. This can be so tempting for us just to recluse, be reclusive and go into only talk to people that think the way that we do. Only, only listen to people who say the things we like to hear. What happens is, is while we might be feeding our own soul and we might be happy about that, all the things that we're learning and all the nice uh, new things that are light bulbs that are going off in our head about who God is, we lose our ability to show other people the love of God because we're so distant from them. And that's a dangerous place to be, I think Jesus would tell us. The question we have to ask ourselves is that, if that's where we are, is why am I here on this earth? Why am I here? Is it just to hide behind a little, uh, in, in a little safe spot and just feel good about myself and all that I'm learning and just experience God all on my own? And some of us may say, listen, I'm not isolated. I'm not isolated. I, I work and I, and I live around people. But, but who, are your, who are your friends that you're able to influence? When's the last time you had someone who doesn't think exactly the way you do over to your house? When's the last time you had a real conversation with a coworker who doesn't necessarily share your values? We can actually appear to be not isolated, but keep ourselves very insulated and isolated in this world. And we have to ask ourselves, why does God have me here? Does he have me here on this earth just to live in a little protective bubble and make sure no bad things get in? Or are we here for another reason? I think when Jesus says, he's talking about this tension between the word and the world, and when Jesus says that we're here for a purpose, that we are to be in this world but not of this world, he's not talking about these three things which all of us can find ourselves in. He's talking about something different. And the thing that Jesus is talking about is this fourth option where Jesus would say, you are to be highly engaged in this world but low in your assimilation into this world. You should be engaged in the, in the world where people don't necessarily think the way that you think, but your assimilation into that world should be low. And when you find yourself in that box, when you find yourself in that place, I think Jesus tells us we are positioned to be used by him. When you are someone who is out in the world, engaged with people that don't necessarily think the way that you think and hold the same values you hold, but you're also able to maintain your belief in Jesus Christ. There's low assimilation into the value system of the world. Now you are positioned to make an impact in the lives of others. 
Impact in this world requires high engagement and low assimilation. And sometimes uh, the mistake that we make is we find ourselves so engaged in this world that we begin to lose the things that make us distinct and unique. Or we find ourselves so isolated from this world that we could have a giant meeting of all the Christians and we could all get together in an arena and we'd all be jumping up and down and cheering and shouting, but we would have no impact on the millions and billions of people left in the world around us because we've pulled ourselves out of that place. And Jesus is saying here, the tension is good. You want to have an impact? The tension is good in your life. You have to deal with the tension. Be highly engaged in this world, but don't assimilate yourself into this world. Bring my message of love and salvation and grace and mercy into a world that desperately needs it. You see, if you and I are followers of Jesus, then here's what we believe. We believe that we have found the answer, the solution to the deepest problems that plague us as people and as a society. That the deepest problem that plagues us is a brokenness, we call it sin, a sin that, se sin that separates us and God. That there is a broken relationship there. That the only way to restore it, if you trust in Christ, is to trust in him and to have that relationship restored between us and God, both right here, right now, and for all eternity. That's the solution that we have. And we are, in a sense, uh, People in a boat surrounded by people who are in need of help and who are drowning at sea. We have the solution, which is Jesus Christ. I believe that with all my heart, that Jesus Christ is the hope of this world. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I hope you believe that too. And so that in a sense, we are the people in the boat that have the solution, that have found the answer that other people need. If we're enamored with their situation but isolated from people, then we're drowning ourselves. We're just on the other side of the boat. We're not going to be able to help anyone. If we're totally absorbed in this world and we've bought into it hook, line, and sinker, then we've jumped in the water and you can't save someone when you're in the water with them. If we isolate ourselves, we might be downstairs in the cabin of that ship having an unbelievable meal, listening to our praise music, having a great time, all the while ignoring the reality of the people who are outside the boat. It's only when we care enough about this world to do something, but stay in the place of being followers of Jesus Christ, that we are able to reach down and help someone onto the boat ourselves. I don't know if you saw this story this week, but there was a, a story in the news. It was from Woodbridge, New Jersey. And a couple walked into Bar Louie in Woodbridge, New Jersey, and they sat down during happy hour, and they ordered two drinks and a hamburger. And they started to, talking to their waitress. It was a, a, woman, a young woman by the name of Brie Larson. And they talked for a while, and Brie Larson shared with them uh, her desire to become an RN in the future and go to nursing school. And so uh, they, were, they were having this meal together, and the, when they left, when the couple left, they handed Brie an envelope. And she said, they said to her, don't open this envelope until you get home. And so Brie finished her shift, and she said, actually, I for totally forgot the envelope was there. She went home. Uh, she had her, you know, her apron on. She reached down into where her tips were and pulled out her tips for the night and the envelope. And she opened up the envelope, and inside the envelope, 
uh, there was a note. And there was also a check for $1,200. And in the memo of the check was written, God's blessing. The note that the couple left uh, for Brie, I have a picture of the note here for you to take a look at. The note that they left for Brie said this, Brie, God cares for you. This is not a coincidence. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. I pray that you are the best RN out there. P.S. Whenever it gets hard, know that God has got you. Now, I don't know this couple, and I don't know if they call themselves followers of Jesus, but my guess is, unless you follow Jesus, you don't go around quoting 1 Peter 5, 7. That's not a, a normal thing if you don't call yourself a Christian. Now, not all of us are probably in a position where we can write a $1,200 check to somebody just as a gift out of nowhere. But if you're a follower of Jesus, God has positioned you somewhere to make an impact for him. This simple note has been broadcast all over the world over the last week. If you Google this online, you're going to find it on every major news website. So the impact of this gesture and this note, this message that we can cast our cares upon God because he cares for us is around the world and featured on the nightly news. God has positioned you somewhere to make an impact for him. And if you're going to make an impact, you have to be engaged in this world. You have to have contacts with people that don't think the same way you do and share all your values. But we have to do it in a way in which we don't take on the values for ourselves. Impact requires that we engage in the world without assimilation into the world. Impact requires that we are out there having relationship with people without compromising our values. And it's something that's not easy to do, but it's something that God calls us to. You and I, if we're followers of Jesus, have the answer that people need to hear. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. That there is life and meaning and satisfaction and purpose only through Jesus Christ. And God has positioned you in a place to be able to share that message with people that no one else is in a position to share it with. You have family that need to hear that message that no one else has. And you have coworkers that need to hear that message that no one else has. And you have neighbors that need to hear that message that no one else has. And God has put you in that place to share that message with them. And Jesus prayed for you and for me, that we would be willing to go and be sent into this world, but not be of it, that we might make an impact for him. So here's the big question for you this morning that I want you to think about. Are you being influenced more by the word or the world? That's a question that you can, only you can answer. In your life, what's influencing you more? Is it the word of God? Is it the logos of God? Or is it this world? Is it the cosmos that's influencing you more? What is influencing your life more. And who, as Oz Guinness said at the beginning, who is influencing whom? Are you influencing the world around you for Jesus Christ, or is this world gaining control over your life and influencing you? 
going to invite our worship team to come back up as we close this morning. And as we do, we're going to end our time together uh, a little differently than we normally do. As we close this morning, there's a prayer that actually Oz Guinness wrote that I want to read to you. And I'm going to ask you if this is your prayer this morning, that you would read it out loud with me together. If this isn't where you are this morning, you don't have to read it with me. That's why I want to read it first. And if this is where your heart is, as you listen to this message and listen to Jesus' prayer for you, I would ask that you would pray it with me. Here's what the prayer says. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God and Lord of all, the entire universe sprang into being at your word and even death could not hold you down. Forgive our sorry state of worldliness and captivity. Grant that wherever we are shaped by the world rather than your word, we may be helped to recognize it and we may be given your power to be freed from it. Grant too that in rising to live as you have called us to live, we may show the world a new and different way of life that once again will free the captives and demonstrate a human way of life that is worthy of you, the author of life and humanity. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand, if you would. And if this is your heart this morning, would you pray this prayer with me? Let's pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God and Lord of all, the entire universe sprang into being at your word, and even death could not hold you down. Forgive our sorry state of worldliness and captivity. Grant that wherever we are shaped by the world rather than your word, we may be helped to recognize it and we may be given power to be freed from it. Grant too that in rising to live as you have called us to live, we may show the world a new and different way of life that once again will free the captives and demonstrate a human way of life that is worthy of you, the author of life and humanity. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Let's sing together as we close this morning. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont campus. At Mount Hope, we gather each week to learn about God so that we might grow in our love for him and for others. And then we go to live lives driven by our faith. We'd love to have you join us on a Sunday. We meet every week at 10 o'clock in the morning. You can always find out more about us on our website, mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E.org, or like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter. Just search Mount Hope Belmont. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.